0: Welcome to Where's My Sports At episode 10. Lads, we're here again. Phil, welcome along, mate. Bernsey, welcome along.
1: Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, pleasure to be here.
0: Bernsey joins us as one of our new cast members as part of the Where's My Sports At crew. What we're going to be going through and talking about today, first and foremost, in the first quarter, we have the Timberwolves. Talking about them and their history, followed by the best rebounders of all time, part one. Because there's so many good rebounders, we're going to need a few parts again. Then we go into talking about the New York Knickerbockers. Then lastly, we talk about the best six men of all time in our humble opinions, because we are humble people. So lads, we're good to go. We're firing away. Okay, so quarter one, here we go. We're talking about the Timps, firstly founded in 1989. They have won no titles. So it's a short and sharp history lessons on the Timberwolves. They're trying to win a title this year. However, notable players over the years, you new lads will probably chime in with a few extras. However, I'm going to start us off with Isaiah Ryder. He's the first player when I remember the Timberwolves back in the day. The original Jam Master, I think six foot five, maybe pounds. Is that how weight works? I think mm-hmm. it's how weight works. Maybe 250 pounds. If American listeners are listening, I feel so sorry for mistakenly pronouncing pounds, but kgs, 100 kgs. (laughs) As well, Christian Leitner. Uh, A bit of controversy around Christian Leitner of whether he was the real number one pick or whether it was Shaq. It was always Shaq. It was never Christian Leitner. Then Kevin Garnett. Lads,
1: thoughts on Kevin Garnett? Kevin Garnett is probably the Timberwolves. He was the one that actually made them be semi-successful. He was an absolute... Beast, maybe one of the original dogs. That's probably doing him a disservice because he's he was just a superstar. Unfortunately, as I'm sure we'll get to it, he had to move somewhere else to win a title. I think that sort of just sums up who the Wolves are. Burnsy, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd probably put Kevin Garnett in my top three big man, to be honest. But then again, they'll probably come back in down the track. He's also just another player who's changed the game as big man, which you could see like from... His defensibility where anyone taking a free shot after the buzzer or you know the whistle's been blown, he, someone put a shot up, he's there just to, to block it to, so that other players aren't getting their eye in and staying in form, which is now everyone seems to be doing the same things. No, I highly rate Kevin Garnett, always have, always will.
0: Yeah, one of the great high school drafts. So one of those players drafted freshly out of high school. And again, another corner cool idea, boys, let's just add it to the list. Yep, Ever-growing. I also have Stefan Marbury, another great player who finished his career in China, has a statue. He has a statue in China. How many Americans have that? I would say Stefan Marbury. So, short list, long list, Stefan Marbury's a great in China. Also, Wally Seiserbeck, if you remember him, good shooter. He's one player that I would always throw in my NBA Hoops team. So, NBA Hoops was before NBA 2K for those people. Born in the 1980s, you'll be nodding your head and agreeing with me, saying, (laughs) yep, that was a great game. We then have Latrell Sprewell, probably one of the original dogs as well. Just an absolute battler, eh, lads? I I think he's one of the ones that goes on
1: my list as a good, dirty player. Heard he choked the guy once at training? Choked the guy? I I don't actually remember Sprewell as a wolf. I I think I more associate him with, is it the Warriors? Um, Later on. See, I'm,
0: I'm knickerbockers on him. I remember him more as a knickerbocker. Next one, there we're going into that I see on the list, Kevin Love. I rated Kevin Love as a Timberwolf and was really gutted, about he was title chasing one of the lads going off to the Cavs at the time and still a baller today with the heat. And he just a good player. Then Ricky Rubio, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggy Wiggins, who basically didn't show any of his potential when he was playing for the Timberwolves and then showed a little glimmer of it at the Warriors. And now all of a sudden he's injured every game. D'Angelo Russell. Jimmy Buckets turned up for a little bit of a party to get his paycheck and then earn his money to go on to the Sixers or all the heat. I can't remember which, but Jimmy Buckets, the man. D. Rose, 50-point game for the Timberwolves and then moved on to his next team. So now we're going to talk about the current lot.
1: Lads, do you have any other notes of them over the years? Yes, I think it needs to be said, the drafting history of the Timberwolves and um, some of the misses that maybe that they've had I, I really feel for Kevin Love because they're at the Wolves and he was a 2020 guy like constantly. He was a, an absolute beast, but they could never really draft and put people around him. But what I wanted to talk about was 2009 NBA draft mm. where, for whatever reason, David Kahn, the then GM, decided we need a point guard. Instead of getting one really good one, why don't we just draft three? And instead of drafting Jeff Curry, who ended up falling seventh to the Warriors, we went Ricky Rubio fifth, and then Johnny Flynn, sixth. So you'll probably be saying to yourself, who the heck's Johnny Flynn? Join the
0: club. Rick, Ricky Rubio's poor cousin.
1: R- Ricky Rubio was a Euro stash anyway. So he got drafted and didn't basically didn't want to come over until Wolves were good. There was a couple of years. And then, of course, they missed out on Steph Curry because he went to, obviously, the Warriors. And then that third guy they drafted was Ty Lawson and he was later traded to the Nuggets.
0: Horrible GM. Horrible moment in Wolves' history. We go on to this year Now... This year, guys, following on from last year, they had Rudy Gobert, or Rudy Godbert, as I like to call him. And he turned up, started playing for the Wolves. They were absolute trash. And now they've got this awesome combination in this team with Anthony Edwards Are starting to fire, guys. Is this scary? I'm hearing comparisons to Michael Jordan. Starting to see it. What about you guys? Where do you think they're going?
2: Is it just going to be another stepping stone for Anthony Edwards, just like it has been for many other players in the Timberwolves coming through? If they have that, yeah, the staying ability to convince him, pay him what he needs, and cu- cultivate a team around him, then I can see this team being in contention for a title.
0: Yeah, it's quite scary, isn't it? Seeing good bigs in the final series carry teams through the finals, and I think finally Godbird's going well, and so is Towns. It's great to see. And, and what's the other name of the other veteran that they've got at the moment? Nas Reed's going well.
1: They basically, the three of them the other day, all scored 20-something points, all had double-doubles. They're just they're incredible. He's playing a bench role really well. What I wanted to touch on was just how they've got talent at just about all of the positions. So obviously Anthony Edwards in that guard role, you've got, Cat seems to have taken a bit of a back seat, but it seems to be working for him, I think, not being the number one guy. And then they're talking about Rudy Gobert being back in the defensive man of the year conversation i was watching some pilots of him and he was shuffling his feet moving around and he was being a defensive anchor mm.
0: oh, oh no. and we're throwing dead fire out too much to talk about with with the old T wells isn't it lads so, mm. good quarter next quarter now we're on to the best all time rebounders part one or as they say in french part uh, i think it is one of my favorite rebounders of all time and I'm probably going to do a whole episode and a whole rant on this guy, Charles Barclay. Now, Charles Barclay, for me, I have 90 cards of him that I've collected since I was eight years old. I love the round mound of rebound. Listed at six foot nine. Real height, six foot. So the NBA in the 90s used to have a little bit of a debate. This is one of the reasons why I love Sir Charles, because he firstly lied about his height. And as well, he had weight troubles throughout his NBA career. Turned up to his NBA draft combine, 300 pounds, was told to get down to 280, got down to 280 before the draft, then came into the NBA season 305 pounds before the season started. Awesome trash talker, great rebounder, could just battle with any team. Lance, do we have any other rebounders or any comments on my love for Sir Charles and his little cheese whistle mustache?
1: The thing I like about Charles is that he's actually really well known for three teams. It's not often that you can say that that a player is associated with three separate teams drafted by the Sixers. And he had this awesome stint at the Rockets. And I most associate him as a son. It's, I thought he was, I didn't think he was six, two. I thought he was probably more six, five, but you don't obviously don't earn the name, the round mound of rebound. If you're not very competent at your job. And I, the thing I like about him and much the same with Dennis Rodman is they, weren't the tallest specimens, but they learned how to position themselves and to get those tips and to get rebounds without actually having to use physical, their height.
0: Burnsy, do you have any rebounders there that are your favorites of all time?
2: Touched on Kevin Garnett being my top three big man, but my probably favorite big man player of all time would probably have to be Big Ben Wallace from the Detroit Pistons. He was just a pure defensive dominating force. There's not much that would get in that man's way from crashing a board. It's a shame to see that that art form almost taking the back seat these days. It's all about the show and like outside shooting and big dunks and all that kind of stuff. Where like bully ball under the rim, just throwing elbows, trying to crash boards was an art form in itself. And we'd love to see it come back.
0: Yeah, he was. He goes on the dog team last day. A hundred percent, just. Arthur Battler, and I think his arms were longer than his whole body. I think he had seven foot three or seven foot four wingspan, listed at yeah. six foot nine. And so, interesting guy, awesome here too. So, Phil, who was your next
1: rebounder on your list, mate? Probably not just rebounder, but I love Shaq. I'm going to talk about Shaq for just about nearly every category. He's the reason, as I've said before. I like basketball. Shaq was an absolute beast. He made his he made his money there. Just as a, not so much as a favorite, but as a real flash in the pan. So I guess I'm deviating from best of all time, but I just, I thought of him the other day and I I feel like we need to have a pod about where they went. Hassan Whiteside, he came out of absolute nowhere and he had about two or three, maybe four years of like triple, double dominance with blocks, rebounds and points. So he was fun to watch. I think he was one of those guys that I think he got his money and then he, I just don't understand how you can be that good that quick. And then just drop off a cliff. But anyway, back to the actual list. But also on Rodman. I touched on him before. I think Rodman's been talked to to death probably in, in the NBA world in terms of interviews and 30 for 30s and the last dance doco and all that sort of thing. So there isn't much that I actually need to talk about. The thing that I like the most about Rodman was his hustle. And I always say to people like when social basketball is you don't need to know how to shoot. You barely even know how to dribble. But if you can just run up and down the court and get in people's way and then just chase after the ball, puzzle, you're playing a role. And, you know, he'd, he'd go games without scoring. Have 20, 30 rebounds. What a guy. Selfish. Selfless.
0: Which leads me into the next type of rebounder that got have got on the list. Bill Russell. I've gone back and watched a few documentaries with good old Bill. Rest in peace, old mate. The number six being retired across most I think it's retired now across all basketball with Bill Russell one of the best things about his game is that he could score he could pass he could block he could do everything like that but what he did do is that he looked for what his team needed and then he would make himself basically indispensable in that role and that was why I've put him into one of the greatest rebounders of all time because when he did decide that I'm going to have a season being a rebounder he averaged about 14 or 15 rebounds which Pretty impressive for back in that day, even though it was, I'm the tallest guy on the team. When you put Wilt the Stilt there, I don't really put Wilt the Stilt there as one of the best rebounders of all time. It was just, he was the tallest. So sorry, Wilt, if you ever hear this. No, I'm not sorry. You're just the tallest guy. Lads, do we have any others there that we want to pop on the list? I've got some other little notable names so I can rush through.
2: Yeah, so I think, even though a lot of them consider it to be maybe stat padding a bit, Mr. Triple Double himself, Russell Westbrook, I'm on board. He, I'm off this train. (laughs) Most most of the rebounds come from defensive rebounding. There's always someone there to crash it, but he'll come in, call for it, come through, grab the defensive rebound and bring the ball up the court. But at the same time, it may not have much of an impact on the game. It still obviously has helped him set a pretty untouchable record for triple doubles. So you'd you'd have to consider putting him on the list.
0: We'll put him on the list. I think when we go back over Westbrook's career, we will be talking about him going, OK, he was actually a good player. When you watch the highlights, you go, this guy's actually good, but he just frustrates me. Next player there that I had in here was Dukimbi. No, Dukimbi Matombo. He could rebound, and it wouldn't matter who he went up against. He'd go up against players like Shaq, Ewing, another great rebounder, Andre Drummond, and then I had also Bob Pettit from overtime, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, again, being the tallest. Just quickly. Mm. Ah, done again, boys, done again skin of our teeth i tried to fit as many rebounders as i can but part two coming soon i can't say what date or time but i can say we will talk about part two next team here we have is the new york knicks or known by me as the new york knickerbockers founded in 1946 they've got the home ground of madison square garden in new york they have had two titles and won four conference titles Notable players. And the first one, boys, and I want us all to get on board and have a little chat about this one. Phil Jackson, New York Knick. One of- Great first yeah. name. You can't argue with oh, that. I know, mate. I, I'm surprised he's not your favorite player.
1: <laughs> no, I just love that when people, what was he? 13 rings. A lot of people forget that his first two rings came as a player for the Knicks, and the Knicks have basically been irrelevant ever since. Yeah,
0: and no one is a good A bit of a party boy slash larrikin, but also known more for his defense,
1: not for anything else. I also had Walt Fraser and Willis Reid. Walt Fraser being the current color commentator for the Knicks team as well, which I always quite... There's various different teams I like tuning into and listening to the local commentary. And obviously the Hornets are one. I think Del Curry adds heaps to that broadcast. But Walt Fraser is actually quite entertaining to listen to.
0: And then we had Jerry Lucas, Earl the Pearl Monroe, that's a good nickname, eh? You've got to appreciate a good nickname when it it gets thrown up. And Earl the Pearl, I'd love to have Jimmy the Pearl Coot say, love it. Patrick Ewing, so one of my favorite bigs of all time. He was probably one of the most similar players to Elijah Wong. And I think year after year, he just helped the Knicks get to that Eastern Conference semifinals, but never got to the big show. And I feel for him... It just ended up being a bit of a waste of a career being at the Knicks, eh? I know that's
1: harsh. It, it was also an era thing. He just happened to be playing at the same time as Hakeem, one of the greatest big, men's of all, big men of all time, and then obviously Jordan. It was it was a perfect storm. That that whole team, Charles Oakley, the Oak, he was an absolute beast, As along well with John Stark. That team that they had wasn't a bad team, but they couldn't get past other quality teams that just happened to exist at the same time didn't know how to win and then they had this little pest of a van
0: that would run up and down the sideline spike lee it's got to be like a hundred degrees in madison square Garden, and the guy's wearing like a big puffer jacket stick to films bro anyway i won't go too much about him but larry johnson as well another guy came over from your awesome team charlotte alan houston one of my favorite shooters I, i really like to chuck him in the old team in 2k marcus camby Latrell Sprewell, I think this is where he choked the coach. Or maybe it was the Warriors. I'm going to look up the story. We'll talk about that another time. Amare Stoudemire, the man with little goggles for some time. Good handy player. Smellow, or otherwise known as Carmelo Anthony, had a good few seasons with the eh? maid and you know, a couple of good good 40-point games. However, could you mention him in the same breath as Jeremy Lin? Lin Sanity. No. Three weeks, not long enough.
1: (laughs) But but in all seriousness, no, that that Linsanity run was insane. Like what he did, that was, where did it come from? Where did it go? I'm not talking about Cotton Eye Joe. It just happened to flow that way. (laughs) I feel for him because he, the Rockets knew that the Knicks didn't have cap space. So when they signed him in free agency, they they front-loaded the contract. So the Knicks couldn't match. And then it ended up basically ruining Jeremy's career. Because he didn't really have much longevity at Houston, past that.
0: and he wasn't much. I say, eh? like I think it might have been thirty-eight days of Linsanity. I think that was the the time period. Three weeks sounds a bit short. Eh? Like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he played five games. Then we also had Baron Davis or Baron von Davis. He was pretty cool, an exciting little guy. Eh? So I think he might have been five foot six or something, maybe six foot. I, I, I height's not very good when people are shorter than me. Good little player, good little dunker, good little shooter too, and. Really handy, but didn't do much. Steve Francis came in for a bit. That was cool.
1: Yep. He was, yep. I remember Baron as a warrior. He was in that yeah. I'm, I, I Believe team. That's what it was called. And then Steve Franchise, he was traded from the Rockets to the Magic. That's where I most most notably know him. And then Marbury, or more commonly known as Starbury. He oh. ended up getting that tattoo on the side of his face. What's going on?
0: And still, he's still got that statue. I, I just can't get over it. He's got statue. Yeah, a statue. for that long. Tyson Chandler was the last one there that I had on the list of of good players. I really like Tyson Chandler as like a good gap filler, rebounder-type player, but I've done a little summary note on them. Perennial underachievers and always seem to be a destination team with no goal or chance of winning a title. So that's my summary on them. So, lads, this year, Birdsey, do you have any take on how they're going at the moment,
2: mate? Yeah, it just seems like they're a bit of a sleeping giant. I just get this feeling that something is amounting and... There's high, I've got high hopes for the Knicks. I really want to see them making the top four at some oh. stage. I don't know when. Yeah, very high hopes. It may not be the next five years. I don't know. There's just something about them that just makes me really want to see them do well. Maybe this is so they can have their victory run, and then they can go back into the little corner and just chill out for a little while, and let the other big teams come through again.
1: Two things. I did not think that Jalen Brunson would become what he's become. When he was playing for Mavericks, I thought he was always solid. But I did not see him as being like essentially a number one guy. Although at, at the Knicks, it's between Randall and, and Brunson. Um, yeah, but there, secondly, is like, there is no number one, no. Yeah,
2: yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> But no, I think the biggest elephant in the room is probably one of the worst owners in all of NBA, James Dolan. He's a meddler. He just, for whatever, I don't want the Knicks to succeed. Only because I don't want him to succeed. If he wasn't the owner, I would want them to win the next title. But there's just something about him that just really gets me. I think more recently, I think it was Charles Oakley. He had him banned from the stadium. And it's like, bro, Charles Oakley is uh, an absolute legend for Knicks. How you, how are you going to play him like that? So yeah, just James Dolan, mate. Just let the, let the GM be the GM and the coach be the coach. And you're the guy with the money.
0: Now, lads. Is Brunson moving into our ultimate dog teams? I know that's a hard question to answer, but I'm starting to move him in there just because I like this guy's hustle. I like his swagger. And he's moving up the list for me. He's quickly going through. Mm. Oh, again, last quarter. So, no quarter, lads. Best six men of all time. Bernsey, I'm going to start with your best first six man of all time, mate. Who you got?
2: Mine would probably have to be Manu Ginobili on the Spurs. He was just such a pleasure to watch one of the players that you wish never really had to retire. Tony Parker, had- Tim Duncan, and Bonnie Ginobili. He was just, yeah, just he complimented the big three starting just perfectly.
1: Was- I think he had probably the most famous bald spot of all time. Maybe yeah. not just in the NBA, but in, just in general. I feel like NBA 2K did him real dirty with how much they emphasized <laughs> that little bald spot on his head as well. Um and it's not Obviously. the greatest
0: um, comeback of all time either. Like with LeBron James, it didn't come back. It's Thank stable. Just get marching backwards. One, and this cuts across probably a lot of eras, was John Starks. And he's one of the most well-known six men, not only because he'd come on and could change a game, but he would also be like a real dirt trash talker. And the amount of fights that he started, like I remember ones with Reggie Miller, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley had a little fight with him. I think Shaq pushed him over once. In that, he was a good little battler and he would bring games back from the death and come through. Who was your next one there, Phil?
1: I've got two that I want to say, but I'll just say one because I think if someone knows well, they'll say this name next. It's super obvious. Jay Crossover, Jamal Crawford, absolute beast. I associate him a lot with the Clippers. They became good after they drafted blake griffin and got rid of that awful owner and had lob city but jamal crawford i feel like six men have a job to come on to be instant impact to be instantly hot off the bench which is very difficult to do so that's what makes that six man role so difficult you need to come in firing you can't ease yourself into the game you need to pick up where the starters left off and that's something that he always did he could shoot from range he crossover he'd cross people up he was famous for it he was exciting to watch i think he's still balling now in some capacity He's just one of those guys that just played and played and played i think it was we've touched on this before james when you don't have to rely on super athleticism and dunking as your game you, you, you can let your career go on if you just have those fundamentals down and you're a really good shooter and that's what he was able to do. He kept healthy. I think getting, staying healthy is also massive. massive. Now, please, the next name that gets mentioned has to be this name and if not, I'm going to be upset. Do
2: you want to go busy or should I go? I'll take a stab. Is it Lou Williams?
1: You've got it. Good oh, job. Yes. Let's go. Sweet Lou.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love sweet Lou, eh? One of the best guys that could shoot off balance. That was one of the best things about him, eh? How he trains, too. What do you reckon,
2: Benzie? I didn't know that. I know that Kevin Durant shoots off balance in practice warm-ups intentionally. Mm. Same with the big Dirk. But no, I didn't know that about Lou, actually. It's quite interesting. Lou Williams, he was a great impact player. I think he got six man of the year, was it two or three times consecutive? wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, in a row, yeah. Yeah, that's outstanding. I mean, there was a lot of good players around that time as well, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, it's that both Crawford and Williams both from the Clippers along the line there And Lou Williams has drifted off, isn't he, into the sunset now. He's had a little bit of time with the Hawks, never quite reached the heights again that he did with the Clippers, but quite liked seeing him and coming on and making that point of difference. So I I like doing a good throwback to times gone by. Kevin he, I think he was a little bit more than a sixth man because ultimately he would come on and play a majority role during the game, but absolute battler of a player and absolute Power of a man too in terms of what he meant to the Celtics franchise do we have any others guys on, on the list for you lads? I've got a big
1: list I'll just have to throw it out there I'm not sure if he made his whole career as a sixth man but he certainly had a massive impact coming off the bench and he also happens to be one of the few guys that has won a title with multiple teams Robert Ori, big shot Rob yeah. he was uh, talking about I don't want to call him lucky because he's obviously very talented but he managed to get himself through careful planning, through whatever you want to call it. He was on that Spurs run. He was on the Lakers run and he was in the Rockets. So I went in reverse order. But how good yeah. is that? You know, being with Hakeem, one of my favorite big men of all time, winning a couple titles, going over to the Spurs, winning some titles and then going to the Lakers and winning some titles. At me. How good is that? What is it? What does he have? S- six or seven? Something stupid like that? I think he might. He's up on the list, but
0: Steve Kerr as well. He's another guy, another good six man as part of that. Similar career, eh? Just followed teams around and got lucky. Lucky career. Seven titles.
1: Seven titles. Ah, oh,
0: that's nice, 94, eh? 95, 2000, 2001,
1: 2005, 2007. So you go Rockets, Lakers, Spurs, Spurs. How good?
0: God, that's, that must be so sweet being able to walk around and go, seven rings, yo, and just hold his fingers up, eh, and just wave them around. I also had on the list Tony Kukoc. I thought he was probably... On any other team, he would have been a starting power forward or small forward. Good player, beauty shot. Andre Iguadawa, or AKA Iggy Pop, he was good. I would have found him one of the most punishing players to play against coming off the bench.
1: athleticism as well. I, I remember when he was involved in that, around that big trade with Dwight going from the Magic to the Lakers, and then Iggy went to the Nuggets and he had a one year rental there. And I just remember him as being why are this, Why are the Sixers trading E? He is incredible. He's the Sixers at that point. That was the beginning of the process, of course, as we all know. I'm, I'm, I think it was around then when it started. But yeah, I, I agree with James. He was he was exciting.
2: I've got another name here. I don't know if he's, yeah. he hasn't actually won Six Man. I'm pretty certain about it. I feel like he should possibly have his name thrown in contention for that too, is Jay Crowder. Now, he's been a player who's <laughs> almost become a bit formulaic to make it to the finals in recent years, playing with the Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, having great finals runs, often coming off the bench as well. And yeah, I just think that he's...
0: And we're out. Lance, Burnsy, well done on your first episode, bro. High five. Yeah, chip. Well done, lads. Like, so easy. So cool to do with you, lads. And man, doesn't it just make you just like bubble up when you're talking about it? You're like... Damn, it's good talking hoops.
2: Absolutely. Just want more time.
0: We'll go for we're right like up it to nine minutes or something like <laughs> that. But thank you for joining us on Where's My Sports At. Make sure to check us out on our socials, but also send us a message there if you want us to talk about any topics. Our list is getting longer and longer. I think last we had a look at it, it might have been nearly a thousand, <laughs> getting closer. However, lads, pleasure doing business with you yet again. Awesome to talk hoops
2: pleasure's
1: all mine Jimmy, love your work and you too Bernsie. just Cheers Phil and Jimmy I'd love to do it again.
0: Alright to our fans ciao, see you later Thank you for listening to the Basketball Edition podcast, please make sure to follow us on our socials basketball underscore edition underscore WMSA and if you are wanting to have a chat with us please send us a message and we'll get back in touch with you. Make sure to follow us on Apple, iHeart Spotify, Google Podcasts and YouTube, all good podcasting streaming channels. Thank you.